Hello and welcome back to The Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm your host, Alexander Goldberg, and on today's episode, I'd like you to meet my friend, Lamar Pugh. My little birthday card. <laughs> I know I texted you, but I wanted to make sure. It's got all the sure. writing. So you can go ahead and open that. I can. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. I am excited. Good. I think it's going to be great. I think so, too. Yeah. I really do. Oh, this is awesome. One of our amazing um, donors has um, wanted, wanted to help you guys and put you guys in his um, one of the hotels, like right on the beach with all his points. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah. Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. That is great. Thank you. Lamar Pugh is a 65-year-old resident of Santa Barbara who was diagnosed with metastatic squamous cell carcinoma. In that clip, you heard Lamar open up a dream delivery brought to his home by the Dream Foundation. The Dream Foundation is a Santa Barbara-based nonprofit that provides inspiration, comfort, and closure to terminally ill patients in the form of a final dream, often for people with a life expectancy of 12 months or less. The nonprofit has granted more than 32,000 dreams over the past 25 years, with the goal to improve the quality of life for patients and their families. Dreams can come in the form of iPads, celebrity meetups, or anything in between. But Lamar requested a trip to Florida, and it was granted. Thanks to a group of donors and partners, Lamar's trip to Jacksonville in Miami, Florida with his best friend, Daniel Ontiveros, will be an all-expenses-paid vacation to spend time with family, enjoy the beach, and most importantly for Lamar, connect with his father's gravesite. It would be good for me and impactful because I never did get to go see his grave. I wasn't able to go back when he passed away. And uh, so um, I've never been. So this was part of my reason for wanting to do this trip to there, you know, and uh, connect with my stepsisters, which may or may not happen at this point, but that's okay. I, my thing was to go to the gravesite. So, yeah, because I hadn't seen him Oh, God, it's been a long, long time. Probably 25 years I hadn't seen him before he passed. You know, we were kind of close at one point, but close enough for me to want to go say hi and bye. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're, I'm, that's my reason, the biggest reason. The other reason is just to have fun and, uh, yeah, get to do some things I haven't done in years. Absolutely. And how did the both of you find out about the Dream Foundation and the work that they do? I found out about it through my deceased partner behind you there. Um, he died in 95. And uh, Anthony wanted to go see um, Glenn Close over there. Uh, she was doing um, Streetcar Named Desire uh, at the Schumacher. Or something like that in uh, Beverly Hills at the time. Uh, foundation set it up, and we did that and got to go in the back and meet her and sit with her about, after she'd done a two-hour show, we got to spend like maybe 30, 45 minutes with her talking. And uh, after that, we went to um, Disneyland for overnight or two nights or something like that because that's one of his favorite places. And we went to stay there. We just had a great time. We spent like two or three days there. 
So that's how I found out about the Dream Foundation, you know, and how, what they did and stood for, and it was really nice. So we got to do that, we got to share that with him, and now here I am. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing. It's all around now. Any more thoughts on the trip and excitement, things that you're looking forward to doing? I'm excited, yeah, and I'm even more excited because my best friend gets to go with me and share that. And uh, originally, I wanted to drive it, but uh, it makes more sense to fly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'm happy with that, so we're going to do a lot in those few days. So be ready. <laughs> yeah. Get to spend a little time in Miami, which has always been fun. Yeah. You know. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just thrilled. I really am. I couldn't be happier about it. Great. Well, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this dream delivery. I'm so excited for the both of you. Can have an awesome time and a really impactful time. Oh, I'm sure we will. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks to Airbnb, Southwest Airlines, American Airlines, Turo Car Sharing, and in-kind donors who offer up their airline or hotel points, Lamar's dream became a reality on February 8th. The Dream Foundation provides unique palliative care to adults all over the United States, where the nonprofit averages over 500 dreams a year, sometimes over 1,000, to terminally ill adults. I spoke with Kisa Heyer, Chief Executive Officer, and Barbara Shoke, Vice President of Programs, about why the Dream Foundation is unique from other care organizations. I'm Kisa Heyer, and I'm the CEO of Dream Foundation. I've been at the organization since 2013, so um, next year will be my 10th year. Uh, I actually started as a volunteer with my daughter for the Flower and Power program, and she was in middle school at the time. Um, I shortly after came in for a tour of the organization, and I was really surprised to learn that it was um, a national organization serving people all over the country with some pretty um, amazing partnerships and donors and, and just connectivity, um, very strong volunteer group. Um, I just had no idea that an organization of this size was um, founded in Santa Barbara and served so many people. My name is Barbara Shok. I um, have been with the organization for 15 years. I also started as a volunteer, um, just coming to the office, writing thank you letters. And within a few short months, they asked me if I would consider coming on board as a part-time Disney Dream Coordinator. Um, they had a Disney coordinator down in Florida, close to the theme parks at the time but they wanted to bring that position in-house. And so that's how I got started. It's a great reason to get up in the morning. And yeah, I think it's the best job anybody could ask for. Yeah, and you both mentioned starting off as volunteers, starting off part-time, and then kind of growing into this role because of the unique nature of the work. So in your own words, in your own terms, can you explain what the Dream Foundation does and why this work is different from other palliative care organizations? 
Dream Foundation um, is different and special and unique because we are the only national adult dream granting organization serving terminally ill adults and their families and oftentimes their children. Uh, The dreams we serve provide inspiration, comfort, and closure. And we work with many hospice and palliative care organizations. And we like to say that we're an extension of the care that they're not able to provide. Um, So if somebody has a request to take a trip, they can identify that need with their patient and then put them in touch with us and we will help fulfill that trip for them. Or perhaps it's a it's a basic need item that a social worker has observed a a family is suffering and greatly needs something and they don't have the means to do it. They can write a letter on the patient's behalf and request it. And um, we'll start the process once they apply. I also think that, you know, towards the end of life, patients lose a lot of control. They have to do this treatment. They have to go to those appointments. They can't maybe do their hobby anymore or travel can't happen because of their illness. So we're stepping in when they're really in this kind of, I don't want to say helpless position, but they just don't have a lot of choices. And we bring back um, the choices, giving them control and bringing some joy to their journey. I don't think any other organization does that quite like we do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you both told me a little bit about the mission statement, providing closure and joy for these patients. But I, I guess I'm curious about what the process is to be granted a dream. Um, if you can go into a little bit more detail about how the application process works and how the delivery is done. So to qualify for the program, an applicant is a resident of the U.S., including Hawaii, Alaska, and Puerto Rico. And they are diagnosed with a life-limiting illness and are in their last year of life. We also want to help those that cannot make their dreams come true. So we do ask for a financial statement because we do want to help those that really need the help. The applications can be submitted either online through the website or um, we can mail them a paper application or they can print that from the website. Once we get the application, we check um, with their medical team to make sure that they qualify for the program. And anybody that qualifies at the moment, we're in this great position where we don't have to turn anybody away. So if they qualify for the program, we will work on a dream for them. It might not be the exact dream that they're requesting. Sometimes the dreams are just not feasible. Um, Sometimes, you know, we had the request for to have very specifically coffee with President Obama in the White House kitchen in jeans and sneakers. That was just very down to the detail. Unfortunately, it was too late in his presidency and his schedule was already full. So then we just keep working with the applicant to see what else can we do for them. The verification process when we medically verify is really important to our donors um, and also our corporate partners um, those who are giving us in-kind resources really want to make sure and they come to rely on the fact that when we are representing a patient or a person with a request, it's been verified so they absolutely know that either their funds 
or their ticket, their um, plane vouchers or whatever it is that they're giving us are really used with the intent mm -hmm. of the program. Great. And then on the topic of donors and corporate partners, can you tell me a little bit about where funding comes from and um, the financial background of the organization? Absolutely. Um, we do not receive any state or federal funding, so we rely entirely on private donations, um, which some years is, is harder than others. Certainly, um, you know, I think a lot of nonprofits have really seen a, um, a decline during the pandemic. Um, so it's we're constantly fundraising and our funds come from a variety of sources. Um, the largest percentage is through corporate partners. We have corporate partnership um, programs in place at a variety of levels. And depending on the level, um, the employees, we have an employee engagement program with those corporate partners and they can serve as our volunteers and get behind the dreams. So it's really useful for us being based in Santa Barbara, but serving the whole country to have sort of um, vetted volunteers around the country who can go um, to the home or the bedside and, and deliver the elements of the dream for us. We also receive support through family foundations or private foundations when we apply for a grant. Um, and so we're, we're always looking and, and writing grants and applying um, locally, regionally and, and nationwide. And then um, we do events. We have two signature events in Santa Barbara a year. We've also um, do fundraising through some events in smaller um, areas, smaller type events. We also have a lot of grateful families who, um, especially after a loved one has died, perhaps in, instead of asking for donations or flowers out of service, they'll ask for a donation to be made to Dream Foundation. So we do receive tribute donations. We receive um, donations in honor of a loved one, um, any amount. Um, and it's all um, incredibly valuable to us and put to good use. Great. Thank you for sharing. And I want to dive in a little bit more into your personal experiences working for the organization. Um, so amid the many dreams that you've granted to terminally ill patients, can you share with listeners one standout moment when you really knew that you were making a major difference for someone? We had a request from a 40-year-old man with glioblastoma, an aggressive form of brain cancer. And he had a four-year-old daughter who loved to dance. They had snippets of the daughter. Her name was Bailey dancing. And the request was they wanted us to produce a video of all the snippets of them dancing and to have it culminated in front of Sleeping Beauty's castle at Disney. And I happened to be in Florida at the time and was able to, to meet with them. And um, we captured them on video and we captured the father saying why it was so important to him. Um, he wanted his daughter to know that he loved her, that he would always be a part of her life. But he really wanted the video to be played at her wedding in place of the father-daughter dance because he knew that she wouldn't be there. So she was four years old at the time. And we recently caught up with her. She's now 11. And her mom shared with us that she has that video on her phone. She plays it every single day to just experience her father. Um, so for me, that stands out um, as just the impact and, and a life that can be touched so meaningfully um, with one experience can really change a life forever or a family. So William was 43 years old. Um, he, lives, he lived in Tennessee. He was a hospice patient. And as a young man, he used to live in New York. 
So now he, when he came to us, he was bed bound and blind. And his dream was, and he described it so nicely, to get a Reuben sandwich from the Carnegie Deli in New York because he could still remember the weight of that sandwich, the smell that came out of that wrapping paper. And all he wanted was to get that experience again and eat another one of these incredible sandwiches. So we connected with the Carnegie Deli and they put together a meal kit with exact instructions on how to reheat and toast and what to do with it and send it to um, William's social worker, who then went to his house and followed the instructions to a dot and made him this incredible Reuben sandwich. And we have a beautiful picture of um, William holding that sandwich. And it was just everything that he wanted. Carnegie Deli, of course, sent a second one later on. So the social worker had to go back and do it again. And he just, William couldn't be happier. Something as simple as a sandwich made all the difference in his life. To know that people cared about him and that people as far away as New York felt that he was worthy of their attention and to send him these packages, it was just more than he ever expected. So it doesn't always have to be a big dream, big travel or meeting a celebrity, you know, a sandwich will do sometimes. Wow, that's wonderful and very touching to the heart. And Kisa, I know you mentioned this in your story about the impact that these dream deliveries can make on the family as well. Um, but can you paint the picture for us? How is it hearing from not only the terminally ill patients, but also the families involved and in how it has even a broader impact? Well, it's interesting, you know, um, families are going through a lot when they reach out to us. Um, so sometimes we don't get feedback straight away. Sometimes it will be after their loved one has died. Um, but we get sometimes decades later um, notes or visits at the office from people that say, you know, I just want you to know 20 years ago, you delivered a dream, served a dream for my father and it was the last time we were all together. It's my happiest memory. And that's what I've carried forward. And so, um, and oftentimes it's, it's more than just the family. It's the network of, of friends, of close friends as a communities, and they rally together for this one person and, you know, everyone benefits um, and thinks about it and, and keeps that with him. And so making memories is something um, so moving and meaningful and, it's beautiful for the person who's requesting it, but it's really amazing for the people who are left behind. And oftentimes we'll meet with the surviving spouse of one of our recipients. And, you know, we, we give them a little time. They're actively grieving, but maybe three or four or five years later, we'll say to them, what did the dream mean to you then? And what does it mean to you now? And, you know, at the time the dream takes place, they're so in the moment just experiencing it. But then you think about um, those memories that they've created and, and that's what they hold on to. I think it's also like, I'm just thinking of Jonathan's dream. He was um, in Riverside County and wanted to go to Disneyland, but he only had a week left and he has seven children. 
So we worked with the social worker. We worked with a group of volunteers that had just come to us and they raised funds for tickets. And we put together this dream overnight. We sent the whole family down to Disneyland. The social worker later told us that it was the first time she saw him laugh. He smiled the whole day. He had the best time with his children. The morning after the visit at the hotel, Jonathan passed away. And the social worker said he had planned it that way because he didn't want his children to have the memory of him dying in their home. And of course, we didn't know. But the whole care team, um, many of them actually went down to Disney to make sure that nothing happened during the day he was there. The whole community really coming together, supporting him on this last journey, on this trip of a lifetime for his children was just beautiful. And it makes, you know, that ripple effect that just carries so much further out than just the dream recipient or even just his family. Great. Thank you. I love that you mentioned the ripple effect that it causes in the community and how it impacts the patient involved, the family, but also this broader community. And that's wonderful. Um, and then now kind of honing it in back into your experiences and given the nature of your work, how do you to compartmentalize what happens in your day-to-day from your personal life? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, it, it took a little while for me to get used to it. It's a lot of death and dying to, you know, every day reading the applications and and knowing um, kind of the medical conditions of everybody that we work with. And I think it, it definitely took me a while to get used to it. But for me, once I started seeing the gratitude that the family members had once, you know, when we received the gratitude, whether it's immediately after the dream or, or several months later, um, we always follow up, we get an amazing quote. And for me to really understand that full picture, it was very helpful because for as sad as situations can be, knowing that we've given them this experience that has caused them such immense joy or gratitude or, or whatever it is, just profound feelings. Um, for me, that's, that's really reassuring. And, and that's why we do the work that we do. When I started the first few weeks, <clears throat> I would share the stories of the dreams that I read throughout the day at the dinner table with my husband and my three kids. And I was crying every night. And the kids, after like two weeks, they said, mom, you can't do this job. This isn't right for you. So I had to start to really compartmentalize, as you say. And it was not very difficult in the end to just do the best, the very best we can every day we're in the office, really be there for the people that need us, but then go home and take care of yourself. That was really the takeaway um, for me. Of course, even when we go home, our cell phones might ring because something's happening that needs attention right away. But I tried to instill in our young dream coordinators all the time that it's really important to take care of yourself. Otherwise you can do the work that we do. Right. Yeah. It is very emotionally heavy, but the work is for the best of these patients and, and only a positive impact. So thank you so much for sharing that. 
know that was um, kind of a tough question. But I also wanted to ask kind of about the roots of the organization. I know the Dream Foundation was started in Santa Barbara, but it is nationwide. Um, So can you tell us about the roots of the organization for however long you've been there or what you know? And um, have you noticed that it makes a noticeable difference in the nationwide community? Well, Dream Foundation was founded in 1994 in Santa Barbara. Um, and originally was just more local and regional um, for the first five to eight years. And then um, through some really um, strategic partnerships that we developed with some corporate sponsors, we were able to really rapidly increase um, our funding and our scope. And that's really what enabled us to be able to go nationwide and serve the whole country. And um, on the national platform, we are the only ones doing um, serving the entire country with this um, with an end of life dream for an adult and their family. We're able to to have the scope of the work that we do really through our network of volunteers, our network of corporate sponsors, and also an amazing group of social workers around the country who refer their patients to us. Mm-hmm. I would like to add um, that we have a fantastic community of in-kind donors that help us with, you know, overnight stays, with meals, with tickets to theme parks, aquariums, zoos. Um, So a lot of what, especially what we do for people that are traveling is actually donated by in-kind partners. So reaching out to these people anywhere in the nation, calling them up, telling them about who we are and what we do, very often leads to them taking a deep breath and saying, I had no idea something like this existed. I wish I would have known this when my dad was going through his end of life or another family member. Um, And so I think having those in-kind partners come on on board, spread the word, oftentimes... um, even just in their own communities, try to get other people to donate and be part of a specific dream really helps broaden the scope of what we're doing. Wonderful. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of moving parts, but that's what makes the vision have that scope. So thank you for sharing that. And just to leave off the conversation and going from past to present to future, what do you have envisioned for the future of the Dream Foundation? Well, we have one thing we haven't talked about is we have a program specifically for veterans um, called Dreams for Veterans that we established in 2015. And we have a Veterans Advisory Council. um, And we just for the first time have a new board member who is a veteran himself as well. So that's been really useful We work with the Department of Veterans Affairs, and I'd really like to see this program greatly expanded. We know that the need across the country um, in the next three to five years for veterans facing the end of life is so vast. And so I'd like us to be serving many more veterans. I'd also like us to be serving just many more people. Um, And so our work is fairly scalable um, with funding. And so that's something that I know is is part of our board's long-term vision as well is to enhance and grow. That was Kisa Heyer and Barbara Shoke. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. 
Now, I think that one major thing we have not covered yet in this episode is the brains behind each individual project, and that would be the dream coordinators. Dream deliveries surely aren't made possible without the help of dream coordinators, the folks in charge of putting together the logistics of making a dream happen. I sat down with Rebecca, the dream coordinator for Lamar's dream, right before we were about to drop off the Florida trip to his home. So as a dream coordinator, what does your role in the Dream Foundation entail? So we get them on Tuesdays in a meeting. Um, They're dispersed based on if you really vibe well with it or you connect with it. Um, And then you go back to your office and you start coordinating. So um, pretty much calling the dream recipient, getting to know them, calling their social worker, getting to know them, and really just like diving deep into like what's the heart of the dream and then going from there. And how many deliveries would you say you do in a week? So it kind of depends on what the dream entails. Um, But I think we'd probably execute and produce maybe one, two a week. Um, Our caseload can range anywhere from like 18 to 20. Um, And we're usually doing about like between eight and 10 a month. Wonderful. And I know the Dream Foundation is a Santa Barbara-based nonprofit, but you do deliveries in in what radius would you say? How far would you go? Uh, Myself, I've only done Santa Barbara. So I think we've had some um, go to Riverside, um, but a lot of the local ones in Santa Barbara is what we will do. And then we have um, a big partnership with other pharmaceutical companies and volunteers who they will go deliver. Um, for us. Great. Thank you for that. And what types of preparation goes into a dream delivery after applications are read and the recipient is told they qualify? So pretty much after anybody that applies, um, they are, if they fall within the guidelines, it's great. You know, their, their dreams fulfilled. Um, and so after uh, we get the files and get going um, and coordinating, we do the dream delivery and then they're off to for their celebration, whether it's an iPad or it's a travel. Um, so that's kind of how it works. Great, great. And how do you feel right now? What are your own thoughts and emotions going into a dream delivery? We're about to deliver a trip to Florida for Lamar and it's so exciting that he gets to see his family and connect with his family all the way across the country and the Dream Foundation's able to make that happen for him. So how do you feel right before a delivery? Um, I'm really excited. Um, It's really awesome to be part of somebody's, you know, last dream. Um, It's emotional and hard during, um, but you get to provide that spark of joy and seeing them smile. Um, And Lamar is just such an awesome human being, Um, so gentle, um, so appreciative. So I'm I'm really excited. Wonderful. And palliative care is, is hard. Yeah. How do you compartmentalize your work? here and your life in Santa Barbara? Um, I think work-life balance you have to be really mindful of. Um, My supervisor, Barbara, is so willing and accepting of, you know, mental breaks and going for walks or getting fresh air um, and just making sure you're okay. Um, It it doesn't ever get easy, um, but you're doing amazing work and so it's rewarding. So, yeah. Great. And we mentioned that Lamar is a gentle man. He's very kind and appreciative. But tell me more about him and how you've gotten to know him throughout the process. 
What was it like reading his application and then planning this trip to Florida with his best friend uh, to connect with family? Um, so I called Lamar right when I got his application um, and we just had a phone chat and he um, was a little nervous, very hesitant. Um, originally he wanted to drive and you know I'm like, let's do it. If you wanna drive, we could do it, but our resources aren't as, we wouldn't be able to do as much. So I was able to go meet Lamar at his home and kind of talk to him about all these possibilities and opportunities and we convinced him to fly. So we're flying him and his best friend, Daniel, to Jacksonville. Um, he wasn't able to say goodbye to his father, um, so he wants to go pay his respect to his gravesite in Jacksonville, um, see some family, and then he's gonna travel south to Miami um, and have some relaxing time at the water. Um, he said that that would be really, um, you know, just a nice break for him with all of this. Um, and then they're gonna fly home. And um, I'm really excited for him. I really am, he's, he's an awesome man. And like I was telling you, um, when we hang up, we always make sure to say you're the best. Um, and it's, you know, not, we'll, we'll talk soon. It's always, we'll talk soon. Um, so he's been awesome and we text. And it was his birthday the other day and I sent him a little happy birthday and he sent me back the cutest emojis. And so we've had a really great working relationship. So not only a dream, but also somewhat of a birthday present. Yes. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And I've learned that dream recipients ask for a variety of dreams. Mm-hmm. Like we've we've talked about from sandwiches from New York to amusement park day passes, TVs, and celebrity meetups. Mm-hmm. I think it's really beautiful and special that Lamar gets to spend time with his family and travel with his best friend Daniel and visit his father's gravesite. Can you speak to how this experience will impact Lamar in that moment now and forever? I think it's gonna be awesome closure for Lamar um, and comfort. He's gonna see his family, he's going with his best friend. So not only is you know the closure at the end of the trip, but just that joy and comfort he's gonna be able to have. Um, he's going through a lot and I think it's well-deserving. He's well-deserving of this. Um, and his smile alone when, he, when we were talking the first time I met him on how excited he is for this, um, it's just so special. And I know we talked about the nature of palliative care and how highly emotive it is. And reflecting on your own work, how do these dream deliveries enhance your connection with the recipients and even more broadly with the entire community you work with? I think being able to do this job takes someone special. Um, it's not easy, like I said. Um, and you have to also reflect like this, these individuals are going through a lot. Um, and so being kind of, like I said earlier, that spark of joy, you know, we're not talking medical to them. We're not talking end of life to them. We're talking about present day, what you're gonna do, how it's gonna make you feel and how we can make it like the best day of your life. So um, doing that in general and just really collaborating with the community. Um, We work a lot with, you know, everything's donation based. Um, So really building a strong rapport with companies and donors and volunteers is important. Um, and it's just a great way to get our name out there. Absolutely. It's beautiful that you mentioned focusing on the here and the now and making today and the delivery and their, their experience the best day of their life. And I think that's so wonderful. So kind of on the same line, what's your favorite experiences you've had doing deliveries? You mentioned that you've been working with the nonprofit for about seven months now. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak to some of your most heartwarming or memorable moments? Um, 
so I don't do many. We haven't been getting too many um, local dreamers, um, but I think just that connection, um, this delivery really, you know, I can speak highly of because just how awesome and appreciative he is. Um, I can't wait to do more. I hope there's more. Um, but then also seeing the pictures of ones that we're not involved with are so touching. Um, I mean, just the smiles on these people's faces is so cool. Even if it's like a silly thing such as an iPad that you and I probably are like, oh, like whatever, like that means the world. And, and we get a lot of iPad requests. And, and so that's, it's just special. I think any type of um, opportunity to deliver, I would just totally be hands-on all the time. Cool. Thank you so much. Whether that dream is a trip to Disneyland or a famous pastrami sandwich, the Dream Foundation is providing inspiration, comfort, and closure to terminally ill patients around the nation. From the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent, you're listening to The Indie. I'm your host, Alexandra Goldberg, and we'll see you next time.